faith listener. Welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of John. Welcome to the Bible Explained podcast, everybody. My name is Jen. I am the host here. And thank you for tuning in on this absolutely lovely Tuesday morning. We're going to be discussing Jesus's death today, actually. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19, or just uh, listen along if you are commuting to work or can't read the Bible right now. But of course, as I say all the time, please go back and read it when you do have a chance, because I'm a human. I can make mistakes. Don't just take my word for it. Read it yourself. Now, before I begin, let me uh, let you guys know where we're at in the story here. So in John chapter 19, Jesus went to see Pilate, Pontius Pilate. We talked about that guy last week and mentioned how he's not a very nice character, even though sometimes people are like, Pontius Pilate was the good guy and everything, but he was not the good guy. And I kind of go into that in an episode that I did last week. So Pontius Pilate sent Jesus to his death. Pontius Pilate knew that Jesus was an innocent man, but still caved to the crowds and sent Jesus to the cross, the most excruciating That's actually where the word comes from, excruciating, from uh, crucifixion. The most excruciating form of torture Jesus could die in, Pilate sends Jesus to die in that way. So Jesus is now on the cross. And where we left off on Thursday, we talked about how Psalm 22 was a prophecy of Jesus just being on the cross. Like all of Psalm 22, if you read Psalm 22, you're going to see just verse after verse of the psalmist talking about Jesus being on the cross. So it was prophecy and it was written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born, like hundreds and hundreds of years. So we talked about all of that last Thursday. And so now Jesus is up on the cross. All these prophecies from Psalm 22 are coming true. And now he is about to die. So let's go ahead and read John chapter 19, verses 25 through 30 today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. But standing by Jesus' cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Therefore, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, seeing that all the things were now finished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. Now a vessel full of vinegar was set there. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on hyssop and held it at his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So the first thing to notice about all of this is the courage that it took for these women and for John, the disciple who Jesus loved, to stand at the cross or stand nearby the cross. This took a lot of courage because Jesus was hated and anybody who was associated with Jesus could potentially be in a lot of trouble. But yet these women and the disciple John were unafraid to be at Jesus's side at the cross. Whereas the other disciples had left, they were pretty scared. They didn't really want to be associated with Jesus. And Peter, 
had denied Jesus three times at this point already. Now, where the other disciples were, I don't know. Maybe they were very fearful. Maybe they were just so sad they couldn't see Jesus go through that. Maybe they just couldn't watch the torture that Jesus was experiencing on the cross. I don't know what the other disciples were thinking per se, but we do know that they were not by Jesus' side when he was on the cross. But John was. John often referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved multiple times in the book of John. And this was just a humble way for John to almost like leave out his name from the book and also a humble way of expressing who he was. Because Jesus loved everybody. Jesus loved every disciple. I actually mentioned that a couple months ago when we talked about Jesus and John's relationship. And I was like, I don't know why I have to talk about this because Jesus and John did not have any kind of weird, special relationship. Jesus loved all his disciples. Jesus loved everybody. Jesus loves you. He loves me. I could call myself the, you know, child whom Jesus loves if I wanted to. Because it's not an untrue statement. I am the child of the Father, and Jesus also loves me. You could say the same thing about yourself. So it's not odd for John to describe himself in this way. It's just kind of poetic and a way for John to humble himself and not just state his own name in the book of John. But anyway, John was there with Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. He was the only disciple that really had the courage to be there, to be associated with Jesus and Jesus's mother. Now, of course, these other women also were there, but of course, the women weren't considered to be part of the 12 disciples, though they likely did follow Jesus around with a good portion of his ministry. But it says that by Jesus's cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. So there's a lot of Marys there. Besides Jesus's aunt, who is also there at the cross, we do not know her name. I do not believe it's ever mentioned in scripture what her name is. It could have potentially even been Mary's sister-in-law or Mary's uh, blood relative sister. We don't know. But anyway, this handful of women were standing there and so was Mary, Jesus's mother. And you can imagine how upset Mary really was. I would guess a lot of what was happening here was people were comforting Mary through this entire process of watching her son go through crucifixion. I can imagine that was a lot of it. But Jesus was up on the cross and he looks down at his mother, Mary, who is probably just a mess, a mess of tears and sadness. I mean, after all, it was prophesied about Mary that a sword would pierce her heart. And that was talked about in Luke chapter two, when Jesus was just born, like brand new baby, and Mary took him to the temple to get dedicated the way all newborn boys, or rather firstborn boys were supposed to be dedicated to God. Mary took baby Jesus to get dedicated at the temple. And somebody there, a prophet named Simeon, took baby Jesus in his arms and prophesied about the baby Jesus being the Messiah. And then he said to Mary, a sword is going to pierce your heart also or your soul rather. 
So yeah, it was prophesied about, and Mary knew this prophecy, that a dagger or a sword would pierce her soul. And this is now happening. I'm sure Mary is looking up at that cross, seeing Jesus, her firstborn son, the son that she loved so much, up on that cross being tortured in excruciating death. And that dagger, that sword is piercing her soul right now. So this kind of begs the question, where were Jesus's brothers during this? Why were they not there comforting their mother? Because we know that Jesus had brothers, though, of course, they were more of Jesus's like stepbrothers, because obviously Jesus was from the father, like Yahweh God. And uh, Mary's other children were from Joseph. But Jesus had brothers. And so where were they? Why were they not there comforting their mother? That's a question that uh, I'm curious about. We do know that Jesus's brothers were not believers. They did not believe in Jesus until after he ascended up into heaven. Then they believed. But at this point in time, where were they? Maybe they, uh, I mean, I hate to say this, but maybe they agreed with Jesus's crucifixion. I don't know. But at least they could be there for their mother, but they were not. And so Jesus sees his mother, this this crying mess. And he also sees the disciple whom he loved standing there. In other words, John. So he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he says to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour on, that disciple took her to his own home. So this means that Jesus was thinking about his mother during this time. Because she was so distraught, she was so upset by all of this, Jesus was looking down from the cross and thinking of her future. And so he says to that disciple who was nearby the cross, hey, this is your mother now. And so this was a way to protect Mary in the future. And because Jesus's brothers were not there, even though Mary had those children, It is interesting that uh, Jesus assigned Mary, in a sense, to the disciple John. And perhaps it's because John was a better caretaker of Mary than Jesus's brothers ever would be. Maybe it was because John was going to be one of the few disciples that actually didn't get martyred. And so he would live longer to be able to protect Mary. Maybe John was just more spiritually fit to help Mary in the future? I don't know, but Jesus ends up assigning John as basically the new son of Mary. And so John takes this role very seriously, and it says that he made room for Mary in his house that very day. So he took Mary home with him and treated her as his own mother from that time on. Now, what's also kind of beautiful about this is the fact that Jesus is now equating John as his brother, because we are all adopted children of God. Jesus kind of is our big brother. He's the firstborn son, and we are all his brothers and sisters. That is why some churches call each other, oh, brother Mike or brother John or sister Jen, sister Jamie. I actually grew up in a church that uh, did that. Everybody was sister and brother, and that's because of the biblical idea that we are all adopted children of God. And so Jesus kind of says this to John, 
He basically says, you're now my brother. Take care of mother. So then after this, it says, Jesus, seeing that all things were now finished, that scriptures might be fulfilled, he said, I am thirsty. Now there is a vessel full of vinegar that was nearby. So they put a sponge full of the vinegar on the hyssop and held it at his mouth. So there are so many things we can talk about here. The first thing goes back to Psalm 22, kind of like how I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, where so much of Psalm 22 is just complete prophecy of Jesus being on the cross. And we know that Jesus quoted some of Psalm 22 on the cross, where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is the very first verse of Psalm 22. Now, if you look at the Psalms, starting with Psalm 22 and ending with Psalm 31, you'll see that multiple things that Jesus says on the cross correlate with all of these Psalms from Psalm 22 to Psalm 31. And one of the last things Jesus says on the cross is actually, Lord, I entrust my spirit to you. Now, John doesn't mention this, but Luke does. So if you turn to Luke 23 and read verse 46, it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Now, this is a direct verse from Psalm 31. It's actually Psalm 31, verse 5, where it says, I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. So it's very possible that Jesus quoted all of Psalm 22, all of Psalm 23, you know, the famous Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31, one through five on the cross. Because it lines up pretty perfectly with everything Jesus was stating on the cross and how long it would have taken Jesus to quote every single Psalm is about the time frame that Jesus would have been up on the cross from the time he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? To the time he says, Lord, I commit my, my spirit into your hands. So it's just really interesting. So if you ever want to do an in-depth reading of these Psalms and think about Jesus possibly quoting them while he was up on the cross, it's extremely powerful. So that is Psalm 22, all the way to Psalm 31, verse 5. It's very possible Jesus quoted all of these psalms up on the cross. And they are all so applicable to everything Jesus was going through on the cross as well. So I absolutely love that. And it's interesting because Luke 23, verse 46, where it says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's actually a footnote in my Bible that says that this is specifically from Psalm 31, verse 5. But anyway, going back to John chapter 19, Jesus is up on the cross and he says, I am thirsty. Alan Parr actually did a fantastic episode about Jesus's last words on the cross. And I can link that in the description of this episode. So I'll find the one where Alan Parr was talking about Jesus saying he was thirsty. But it's very likely that Jesus was just thirsty up on the cross and uh, needed a little bit of refreshment because he needed to say what he was about to say. And maybe he just didn't have enough liquid left in his mouth, saliva in his mouth, to be able to say it is finished. Because those words needed to be said and needed to be heard. 
Jesus receives the vinegar from the hyssop, which, by the way, if you guys remember reading with me in the Old Testament about the hyssop, you know that the high priest used hyssop to actually cleanse the people, like the Israelite people. Hyssop was used for cleansing, which is also an interesting little parallel as well. But anyway, uh, the vinegar was brought to him on a sponge using a hyssop rod and it was held up at his mouth. And so Jesus received the vinegar enough to wet his mouth and he says, it is finished. Then he bows his head and gave up his spirit. So why did Jesus say at the very end, it is finished? He said it because everything had been paid in full. That's actually another way to describe what he said. Teteleste, which is the Greek for it is finished, can also be translated to paid in full. So Jesus had done what he was supposed to do. And what's so important about him stating these words is because he was about to come back from the dead. Now, this wouldn't have made a lot of sense probably to people standing there listening to Jesus. It didn't make a lot of sense. In fact, people were making fun of Jesus and uh, thinking that he was, you know, saying other things than what he was actually saying. Like, for example, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? People thought that he was calling out to Elijah because they didn't know their scriptures very well and didn't understand that he was quoting a psalm there. But Jesus purposefully says, it is finished to let everybody know that he has accomplished his purpose for coming down to earth. This was his purpose, paying for everybody's sins in full. This shows that he is our savior. He paid for our sins in full and he accomplished that purpose. He is our savior. So he stated this and then he gave up his spirit. It's very clear in every single gospel that Jesus died on his own accord. Nobody could kill him because he was God. So he purposefully died here. He purposefully gave up his spirit because he didn't need to hang on that cross anymore. He did everything he was supposed to do. He accomplished his purpose for coming down to earth. So there is no reason to stay on that cross any longer. So he gave up his spirit. But another reason why Jesus gave up his spirit at this moment in time is because of what we're going to talk about on Thursday, where Jesus's legs were about to be broken. And in order to fulfill prophecy, none of Jesus's bones could be broken. So Jesus died at that moment to avoid having his legs being broken. But anyway, faithful listeners, tune in on Thursday because we're going to talk more about all of this. We're going to discuss uh, Jesus's legs and the spear that goes through his side and why this is so important. So join me then. But also, faithful listeners, don't forget to go over to YouTube and subscribe to everything that's going on over there. That is all linked in the description of this podcast episode. So while you're listening to the Alan Parr episode of YouTube that I'm going to link, go also over to P40 Ministries and subscribe as well. (laughs) But anyway, faithful listeners, I'll see you all on Thursday or tomorrow if you would like to join for a discussion out of the book of Joshua. Happy listening and God bless.